F-Y-I-N-A-R. So F-Y-I is for your information, no action required. At mm. the end of each day or the end of each week, depending on the cadence of your business, is let your manager know what you're working on so that they because they're humans and they have anxieties too and their manager is managing them so you know close the loop right it might not be completed for your for your information no action required you know working on this this completed this work in progress it's an update so if you're the if you're the manager say hey i don't want to micromanage you just drop me a slack and say fyi nai if there's something i do need to then reach out and then we can have a conversation on that Hello, everybody. Welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever you are around the world. We are going to have a great time talking about managing and leading in these times. It's all about leading and managing in 2020 and beyond. Look, the world has changed. The world has gone crazy as over the last few months. And the way that we manage and the way that we lead our teams, particularly remote teams, Everything that we knew before has been thrown out the window <laughs> and it's changed and we've got to find new ways to adapt. So that's been a lot of my work for the last few months. And I've got a partner in crime with me. He's waiting backstage. I can't wait to unleash him. This is a buddy of mine, Andrew Bryant. So please join me in welcoming my buddy, Andrew Bryant, who's also been working a lot with leaders around the region and around the world. So I'm going to hand it over to my buddy, Andrew, to do a quick intro, and then we're just going to dive right in with some great content. Andrew, buddy, good to see you. We have a brand new management mastery course out now, which covers how to manage and lead teams in today's environment. You can sign up to join the course at the link in the show notes at sellinginasiapodcast.com. Likewise, Tom, and good morning to you. And as you say, in 2020, we can operate around this morning. Um, already it's 10 a.m. here in Singapore. I started my day at 7.30 and I was coaching into San Francisco. And then I had a coaching call into the Midwest. And now here we are on Singapore timeline. For the last 20 plus years, I've been an executive and leadership coach to senior leaders and senior leadership teams. And this year, of course, focusing on supporting them deal with, adapt to, and transform for what is the new reality. And that is the first and last time I'm going to use that on this because I think we've <laughs> all had enough of that term, the new reality. Oh, come so on, Andrew. We've got, to, we've got to say new reality. We've got to say new norm. We've got to say unprecedented. We've got to tell people to pivot. Are there, are there any other buzzwords I've missed? I don't know. I'm sure. Uh, a lot of buzzwords. And that's why when you asked me about coming on this and, and we talked about what we would call it, we call it 2020 because mm -hmm. I think 2020 doesn't need any explanation now. I think yeah. you know, we'll be telling our grandkids about 2020. And they'll be asking us, what were you doing in 2020? So I think everybody knows what 2020 means in terms of disruption, pivoting, adaptation. Well, there you go. Disruption. We didn't say that one yet. Well done, Andrew. <laughs> we added that to the list. We could create a game. In fact, actually, there was a game in Australia where if people used a cliche, you could call it out. Uh, I can't tell you what the name of the game was because being Australian, it was suitably irreverent. And uh, there is a game if you use corporate words uh, and you overdo them. Got it. Uh, my particular bugbear, of course, is unprecedented because this scenario isn't unprecedented. It has mm -hmm. happened before. 
albeit yeah. 100 years ago, it did happen before. So uh, be careful of overusing buzzwords. Absolutely. And not only in these times, but just overall, because there are some fundamentals of leadership and management, of course. And there's some really important distinctions, things that we need to do right now more than ever. So and we're talking about leaders and managers. What is the mindset that folks need to be having uh, right now? Okay. Happy to talk about that. I just want to pick up on something that you said, and I think we'll be repeating this uh, a number of times during this conversation. You know, those things that are timeless principles of management and leadership and those things that are specific to now. And I think it's, I will certainly try and flag that. And I know you will. And, and I think the first thing about uh, the mindset is the difference between perhaps the disruption of 2020 and a crisis. So one of the keynote speeches that I've been asked to deliver a number of times over the last few months is leading in crisis. Mm. And, and the question here, whether we are leading in a crisis, because you can actually plan for crisis. My first degree uh, was medical and doctors are, are trained to handle in, in an emergency room a crisis. Firefighters are trained to, to run into a burning building. Military, police are trained to handle a crisis. And typically, a crisis has a set time. The house is on fire, the, the burning, we know it's, it's a limited amount of time. I just want to burst into song. The roof is on fire. Okay, I couldn't resist, Andrew. You okay. set me up for that. I had to do it. All right, well, I'll do my Tom Jones burning down the house then, okay? I'm not going to go there. The, the point being is I think that the what what 2020, we're in. We're talking about leading, managing in 2020. We're, we're at the end of September. There's not much of this year left. And yet for everybody on this call, I think you would appreciate it's been a tiring time. It's exhausting because there appears to be no end. It's not a finite crisis. And a lot of organizations, companies that I've worked with had a contingency plan. If we had to evacuate the building and work from home, there was an anthrax attack or something. They had mm. contingency plans for this, but it was for two weeks, mm. not for, for nine months, 18 months. And, or and I think two that. Years. Or two years. And I think firstly, that's the distinction. It's not actually a crisis. It is a prolonged change. And so when we talk about mindset, how do we handle something that is so unknown, ambiguous, we're hearing different information, do we listen to the science, the science is updating, and then of course there are people who bypass the science and make their own conclusions. We're getting all of this information coming at us, and we don't know how to sort that out. So what is the mindset? When I was first let, let asked... Me just, let me just jump in for a second, Andrew, because I think the distinction that, that we're talking about here is, is really important, right? So we're not in a crisis right now. Now, we were in a crisis. For those of you in February, March, for example, when, when the COVID hit the fan, we were in a crisis because we didn't know what was going on. I remember that feeling. I remember getting off a plane. I just came back from North America. I did a few engagements there. I transited through Taipei, I believe. And when I got off the plane, my wife dropped me a WhatsApp message and she was like, hey, is everything okay? Did you, did you get through customs? Were you able to get on the plane to Singapore? And I'm like, yeah, of course. What are you talking about? Within that 13 hour period where I was in the air, that's when the COVID hit the fan. And all of a sudden, Asia was all about, at the time, I think it was the Wuhan virus at the time. So that was crisis. And I know for you and, and myself, Andrew, and a lot of speakers and trainers and coaches in, in, in our line of work, 
events were being canceled left, right, and center. And we didn't know what was happening and for how long this would go on. So we were definitely in crisis mode then. But look, fast forward to September. Okay, this is the way it is right now. So it's it's no longer a crisis, right? Yeah. And that's the point around mindset, right? This isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. In fact, it's not even a marathon. It's training for a marathon because even a marathon has an endpoint. It's 42 kilometers. And a lot of people use the metaphor management is not a sprint. It, it's a marathon. But in fact, if you're a, a regular marathon runner, you never actually stop training for a marathon. I'm not saying I do that. So the first place to look at mindset is the length of time. We can all handle short periods of disruption and inconvenience. We don't like right. it. But what has been fatiguing for a lot of people is that they had that very short-term mindset. It's a crisis. We'll get through it. A couple of weeks, we'll get the vaccine. It'll all be sorted out. Problem goes away. We're back to normal. And, and that's where the term the new normal came because people go, when can I travel again? When can I do my live speaking engagement? Okay, you want to cancel this, but you want to cancel it for a, two weeks, a month, and mm. suddenly never. So the first mindset is a level of acceptance of the duration. And, and that's hard for a lot of people because we can control our environment uh, and mindset if we know, oh, it's only for this if you've ever sat through a boring meeting or a boring party never, and, you, never. and you're looking at your watch, and there's only 45 minutes to go. Tough it out. Tough it out. Yeah. Tough, yeah. Tough it out. Just, just as an aside, you know, I'm English by birth, Australian by passport and Brazilian by wife. And I, I remember when I moved to Australia, when you leave a party in Australia, the Australians walk to your car with you and have another 30 minutes conversation through the car window. Mm -hmm. um, my wife, being Brazilian, never leaves anything. So you have to plan to leave a party. When we first started dating, she, we were at a party. She said, are you ready to go? I said, yes. And I got my coat. She said, not now. You know, when you say you're ready to go, we have to say goodbye to everybody. And that's going to take 45 to 90 minutes. Are so, you ready to start getting ready to go? Exactly. So the mindset I'm having a little bit humorously here is this sense that it goes on. So I love what you're saying, Andrew. We're talking about, look, it's not even a, a sprint or a marathon. It's just the way it is. We just have to be ready for it. I remember back in March, I was telling people, please do not try to survive the next six weeks. You need to find a way for your business to succeed for the next six years. So what do I mean, what do I mean by that? It's about the mindset that we're talking about. This was never going to be a short-term temporary thing. No one can predict the future. We don't know what's going to happen. But a lot of people were taking this wait and see approach. And I know that with some fellow speakers and trainers as well. There was a lot of people going, oh, let's just wait it out. We don't have to do anything different. Things will open up again soon. I heard a lot of people saying, this isn't the time to sell. We have to just be there to comfort and support. It's, you know, are we tone deaf? It's come on. You've got to put food on the table. So now fast forward six months, there's a lot of people out there across industries who are struggling right now because they didn't plan ahead. They weren't willing to accept that this would be a very prolonged situation. And this thing could go on for another one or two years for all we know. All the programs that I'm running, we're doing a really great program on how to sell virtually. That's actually our most popular program right now for obvious reasons. And one of the key messages in that program is even if things go back to some semblance of normal, it's going to be a hybrid in the way that we sell. 
It's going to be maybe 50-50 at best. Who knows? But there'll be less international travel for sure. You will probably still be working from home because guess what? Many people are still as productive now as they were before. And also, it helps reduce overhead for companies. So if you don't like working from home, change your mindset, get used to it because you might be there for a long time. What do you think, Andrew? There's two things I pick up from that. Firstly, work from home should be work from anywhere, and that's where it will be. And the other thing, of course, is Charles Darwin's quote, which is, it is not the strongest species that survives, but the most adaptable to change. Exactly. People get and, that wrong all the time. I don't know where they got that. The fittest survive, the strongest. It's the adaptable, isn't it? it adaptable, agile, and the management mindset here very much. Because it's just not COVID-19. COVID-19 has been a catalyst to change and disruption that was happening anyway. I gave speeches in 2018, 2019 about disruption is coming. Now, I wasn't as prophetic to know that it was this virus, but having been through SARS and been through a global financial crisis, been through personal crisis, I knew that something was due just because I've been on the planet long enough. And, and so the mindset here is acceptance of the reality. Right. And not going into denial, not going because, of course, denial is the first stage of grief. And I could tell you stories of CEOs, C-level executives that in the early part, March, April, I was coaching through stages of grief. They mm. had their, their year planned. They had their runway. They promised these things to their board, to their shareholders. And now, of course, they had to tear up their plans. And some of them Session. We had a strategic planning session in January, and we were ready to, to take on the world. We were yeah. so pumped up. And then February, we're like, let's just make sure that we survive. How about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just to recap, looking at that 2020 is not a crisis. 2020 is a pivot. And there's that. Uh, give me a point for dropping that. Because... I'm just thinking of that Friends episode with Ross and Rachel and Chandler trying to pivot, pivot. <laughs> Do a Google search on Friends Pivot. It's the funniest thing you've ever seen. Maybe not the funniest, but it's pretty darn funny. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Andrew. Since you said manage and lead yourself, if people don't know me, I am the author of two books on the topic of self-leadership. And this has been an area of research, study, teaching of mine for over 20 years. And this allows us to pivot in terms of the the sense of ownership, the sense of control that we have. What 2020 has done to those leaders that, as I said, in the fetal position, is they felt that they had lost control and they took the events personally. And we know that a great way to, to end up being helpless is to make it about you. And, and one of the, I dare say positive, but one of the realistic things about 2020 is nobody can really play the victim in that it, it happened only to me because it has <laughs> happened to everybody. Now, right. I know when hardship happens to you, it mm. feels like your world is crumbling in and the universe, the gods have transpired to punish you. But what 2020 has given us is a great equalizer, to some extent, a level playing field that. It, it has happened to everybody, but everybody's circumstances are their circumstances. So if, you're, if you've got medical conditions and you're unemployed, you know, me saying this, talking to you through a high-speed internet connection, wearing clothes with food in my belly, then it, it may sound arrogant. But the reality is everybody's reality is everybody's reality. Mm. 
Mm. And the, the mindset here is to take ownership of your reality and what can you control. So unless you're working on the virus, working on an antivirus, a vaccine, then you are going, that's outside of your control. What yeah. is inside of your control? And it may start with mindset. Hmm. I think it always, but Andrew, I, I think it always starts with mindset. And I love what we're talking about here because the, the reality is, I love that quote. I think it's, uh, I don't remember who it is. I always get the name mixed up. Is it Mark Victor? Is it Frankel or who? I don't know. But it's well, not. I was just, you, just, you just, let me finish my thought there because right, I was going to give you the quote. So it's Dr. Victor Frankel, spelled right. F-R-A-N-K-E-L, who hmm. was a prisoner of war during the Second World War destined for the gas chambers as a Jewish doctor. And after the war, he survived. And his quote is, the last of all human freedoms is the freedom to choose our own attitude. Mm. And you know, he said, "These the Nazis, they can hate me, but they can't make me hate them. And so when we look at mindset, where we have to go back to is that is the last of all human freedoms mm. to choose my own attitude. So... I have gone through business disruption. I, I lost everything. In, in 2000, I was living in a backpackers hostel in King's Cross, $300,000 in debt, having gone from CEO to bum in a period of months. Mm -hmm. and, and I had an epiphany when I walked out of that hostel and saw a drunk in a doorway smelling mm -hmm. of his own urine. And I realized if I didn't pick myself up, that was my clear future mm -hmm. and, and having to make a choice. And that choice of mindset it, it, it is so important because we can feel overwhelmed, but we have a choice over taking our next breath. And I think that's so important that it really does start with our mindset. The quote that I was going to cite is, it's not what happens to you, it's what you do about it. So at the end of the day, we're all living through this COVID situation and we all have a slightly different experience. But again, we, we all have this happening to us. So it's really not about that. It's about how do we manage it? And look, there's always things. The late, great Stephen Covey talks about a circle of influence versus uh, a circle of concern. And I think a lot of us, and it's understandable, my friends, and maybe you're struggling with this right now too, but a lot of us are concerned and worried about and constantly think about and try to fix things that are beyond our control. And that really is a recipe for disaster and grief and frustration and feeling powerless. But when we actually start focusing on the things that we can control, and look, let me give us all some tough love here. We're all victim, uh, all guilty of this. We tend to spend a lot of time focusing on things we can't control, but we don't spend all the time we need to on the things that we can, the things that are within our control. So we're talking right now about mindset. We're going to wrap this up and then get to um, another important topic around communication with your team as a leader. But I think mindset really starts with us. We got to focus on what can we do and make sure that we're doing the most that we can within our current situation. So firstly, the quote that you were looking for was from Marcus Aurelius. Secondly, I had a conversation this morning with a manager who was complaining about what she couldn't do. Mm -hmm. And I said, you have a choice to focus on the bunker or the flag, a golfing analogy. If a golfer says, must not put it in the bunker, must not put it in the bunker, it is definitely going in the bunker. We have to focus on the flag. <laughs> and the piece that I have been sharing with the, the managers, the leaders that I've been working with through this year, 2020, actually comes from a great book um, by Jim Collins, 
Good to Great. And in Good to Great, Jim Collins interviews Jim Stockdale. Now, Admiral Jim Stockdale was the most senior ranking officer who was captured by the Vietnamese during the American-Vietnamese War or the Vietnam-American War, depending on which side you were on when you talk about this. And he was imprisoned and tortured for over eight years. Mm. He survived, not he survived torture, and he led the, the troops that were imprisoned with him. When Jim Collins interviewed him, he said, you survived. What was the difference between you and those that didn't survive? And Admiral Stockdale said, that's easy. The optimists didn't survive. And this surprised Jim Collins because the, the mindset of the day is you have to be optimistic. And he said, why didn't the optimists survive? He said, because they would say, oh, we'll be out by Christmas. Christmas would come and go. And they would say, oh, we'll be out by Easter. Easter would come and go. And they said, we'll be out by Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving came and went and Christmas came around again and they died of a broken heart. And so, you know, the, the, to wrap this up, the mindset here is that this isn't going to be over shortly. Mm. You, know, you need to take a long-term view. Are you looking to 2022, 2023? So therefore, working back from that, what is within your control to do right now moving towards and hopefully we come out of this in 2021 but if you've planned for 22 23 you are much more likely to be successful and stay the course than if you were thinking it'll be gone by christmas yeah i love that andrew that's really great i think really valuable insights for everybody to think about that and i'm very particular with language and i'm not even thinking about coming out of this because coming out of this means that this is something that's happening now that will just come out of and then it's like ancient history I think things have just changed and it's really about getting used to the change. We don't know what the change will look like. We don't even know if there's going to be like second waves or new spikes or we don't know anything. So I think, again, to quote Charles Darwin, if we can be adaptable, flexible, agile, these are probably the number one tools that we need, not only as managers and leaders, but as sales professionals and employees. So speaking of employees, I think one of the things that leaders and managers are really struggling with right now is how to communicate more effectively with their employees about the situation in this situation, given that people are working remotely. What are your thoughts on that, Andrew? Let's just unpack what leaders need to be doing now, maybe what they're doing wrong. Maybe we can start with what's not working with how leaders and managers communicate and what they could be doing better. Okay. So segueing from the Stockdale paradox that I just shared from Jim Collins's book is what's the wrong thing to do is to be, oh, it's all going to be okay. There's no problem. And to be in denial or false optimism, whether you're a business leader or a political leader, that is not the way to gain credibility. And that is not doing service to your employees. If I went to see a medical professional, I expect them to give it to me as it is, give it to me straight, then I'm in control of my health. If you're hiding things from me, then I am out of control and I can't manage myself. So what I want as an individual is I want honesty. I want honesty with vision. And what the Stockdale paradox is, the courage, the fortitude to face the reality, however brutal, but we'd have the faith that we will prevail. And so I'm advising the managers and leaders to talk and say, hey, look, it's tough. 
supply chains are a problem, sales are a problem, health is a problem. However, we will prevail because we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And then everybody's focused on the action rather than focused on the problem. Love that. So important. So what are some tips for some leaders and managers? What do you think they need to be doing? And I've got a whole bunch. We've got this management manage, uh, management mastery program, how to manage remotely. There's a few key things that they need to be doing now more than ever. But let's give some people some ideas of what are some really great ways that we can be communicating with our teams more effectively right now? Firstly, because we're managing remote, everybody is now remote or distanced or distributed workforce. I think the situation like this, when we're talking to each other through a camera, is it's so easy to be transactional. What is this meeting about? What do we want to do? We want to keep it sharp. We want to keep it punchy. We want to get a result. And what that does is, of course, it takes away the relationship. And we need to be empathetic that the person we're speaking to might be you've got five kids in the back room that they're trying to keep quiet their mother-in-law is sick in the other room and so we need to start honestly with how you doing so we need to be a transformational leader to start with being concerned about how are our people at because their best performance is going to come when they are feeling supported, valued, and connected to. So that's point one. I love that. So let's un let me unpack something a little bit here before we just give we'll give people some breathing room to digest this a little. One of one of the things I find is so important for leaders, and I talk about this quite a bit, is we have a tendency sometimes as leaders to micromanage. And I know that in this particular situation where our teams are working remotely, they're working anywhere, they're working from home, it's harder. It's harder for managers and leaders to really know, hey, what exactly is my staff doing? There's an element of trust. Are they getting their work done? Are they scrolling on Facebook all day? Are they on this live right now? Hey, that's okay. You tell your leaders that this is professional development. You're investing in yourself. So well done. Give yourselves a hand for being here. But I think what's really important is for us to avoid micromanaging. And I think yeah. that really involves having some trust. And what I think we as leaders need to do is we need to be focusing on the what the teams need to be doing. So having this strategy, this vision, they're looking to you for direction, guidance, coaching, vision, right? What do we need to do? Why is it important? So they have this sense of purpose. But then we leave the how, the execution, the implementation, the doing to the team. I think that's so important. I, I agree. And so the word I use here is co-creation of goals. So mm -hmm. whether you're using smart goals or using OKRs, objective and key results, instead of saying do this, realize mm -hmm. that we're all in the boat together in terms of 2020 and tap into the innate intelligence of your people and say, okay, here's what we need to achieve. Let's talk about how we can do this together. And then it doesn't matter if they're on Facebook or they're watching this because we know that they are clear about the objective. Setting that expectation, this is what we need to do. We need to build a boat. Great, how can we do that? What resources do we have? What expertise do we have? What would be your stretch goal? What do you wanna take ownership for? Putting people in the driver's seat instead of saying, okay, you go get the wood, you go get the nails, you go get the hammer, and do we have a carpenter? and um, co-creating and tapping in on the innate intelligence because this is now a level playing field. We're all in Zoom or WhatsApp or GoToMeeting or whatever it is we're in. And the 
proximity bias that people in the head office previously had has gone away. So now it's about everybody stepping up and being a member of that team. And if you are leading that kind of team, embrace that diversity, the inclusion that you have these individuals and you're going to discover they have talents and ideas that you never knew existed before 2020. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's a very unique opportunity and we can either see this as a real problem, a real struggle, a real challenge, or an opportunity to learn and, and, and to grow. One of the things I'll, I'll share with you all, just a very simple tip that I love to share what leaders need to be doing right now, very simple thing, is at the start of the day, first thing, when your team starts their day, whether it's 7, 8, 9 a.m., whatever, just get everybody to say hello. Get everyone to say hello. Get everyone to say good morning. So, for example, we've got a remote team all around the world. We've got people working in Singapore, Canada, the Philippines, and we've been doing this for years. So we've been quite easy easy to adapt to this current situation. But we always talk to each other on Slack. It's one of our favorite platforms. Anybody here using Slack type yes or no in the chat? Or what's your experience with uh, Slack? We love it. And it's just a really great way for everybody to stay connected because that communication, that connection can be more difficult to have kind of spontaneously or organically. But when we can use technology, it it, it certainly helps. So get your team to say good morning to each other at the start of every day. And maybe as leaders and managers, you start. Lead by example and walk the talk. What do you think, Andrew? Oh, absolutely agree. I, one of one of my remote me- members of my team was a little bit absent for 48 hours. And I said, is everything okay? Mm. He'd admitted his father in India into hospital with COVID. If I'd been managing and micromanaging, that would have made me look like a, you know, a-hole. Yeah. So yeah. starting with <laughs> yes, check, checking in with everybody else. And for employees to address this, what are you doing, right? To avoid your manager micromanaging, you need to do, if you're using Slack or whatever messenger channel you're using, is do F-Y-I-N-A-R, F-Y-I-N-A-R. So F-Y-I is for your information, no action required. At Mm. the end of each day or the end of each week, depending on the cadence of your business, is let your manager know what you're working on. So that because they're humans and they have anxieties too, and their manager is managing them, close the loop. It might not be completed. For your information, no action required. Working on this completed, this work in progress. It's an update. So if you're the if you're the manager, say, hey, I don't want to micromanage you. Just drop me a Slack and say, FYI, NAI. If there's something I do need to, then reach out and then we can have a conversation on that. I love that, Andrew. I think what what we as leaders need to be doing with our teams to avoid micromanaging, but at the same time, not looking like absentee leaders, because I tell you, there's a whole bunch of different leadership styles. And then there's the laissez-faire style, which is like, it's French for leave it alone. Let it happen by itself. Laissez-faire. And with the laissez-faire style, these are more hands-off leaders. And they, they often say, I don't want to micromanage. And I totally get that, but sometimes that not wanting to micromanage is a code word for, I'm clueless, I have no idea what my team is doing. So you still have to check in. And I want to make an important distinction for all of our friends joining us here right now. Checking in is very different from checking on, okay? Very different. Checking in is just, hey, Andrew, I just want to check in and and see how everything's going. Or Andrew, I know that you mentioned at the start of the day that you wanted to uh, follow up with 10 of your opportunities in your pipeline. How's that going? 
It's checking in. And I think we as leaders need to make sure that the team has clear direction. Do they know what they need to do? And then do they have all the resources available to get the job done? That's really what we need to do, my friends. Make sure they have clarity of the goals and do they have the resources they need to get it done? You focus on that and you're good. Yeah, and just following on that, in my 2012 book on self-leadership, I make the distinction between responsibility and accountability. Mm. A good leader makes sure that the, the people working for them know what their responsibilities are. I'm responsible for my thinking, feeling, my words and my actions. You're a grown-up, Tom. I'm not responsible for you. Right? right. And vice versa. But we are accountable. You knew you said we're going to be on this call at, at 10 o'clock Singapore time today. And you didn't you didn't concern yourself whether I was going to turn up or not, because we have a track history of accountability to agreements. And you knew that I have personal responsibility. Mm. So tending, business people tend to use the word accountability to mean responsibility. No, it, make sure each person is responsible for their, themselves, their ownership their motivation, and clear accountabilities. So we agreed that this would happen by Friday, and then that's the expectation. So how close are you to the target? I'm going to hit it, I'm going to miss it, I'm going to overshoot it, and then we can troubleshoot or celebrate if it's... Yeah, love that. Actually, I love what you say about celebrating because I think one way that leaders can communicate more effectively and more favorably or positively with their teams is to actually celebrate wins. Now more than ever, your teams need some encouragement, some support, some validation, a pat on the back for a job well done. Now look, when you were working in an office before, it was a whole lot easier to walk by your team, take a look at their desk, look at their computer, look at their monitor, and, and see what they're doing. Communication was a whole lot easier. It was more uh, dynamic or spontaneous or impromptu, right? You could have a quick brainstorming meeting or whatever. But now it feels like, my gosh, we have to schedule a Zoom meeting just to talk to people. Look, that's the reality right now. So we as leaders have to make that extra effort to either drop our team messages on Slack or WhatsApp. We need to, to drop them emails. We need to schedule Zoom calls. But we need to be checking in with our team, not checking on, but checking in and just seeing how they're doing all the time. So look, I, I think the number one thing that we need to do as leaders is, or one of the number one things, is to really encourage the team, to support them, uh, to help them feel good. In terms of, in situations like this, we need to over-communicate, not under-communicate. When times are uncertain and people don't know what to do or what's going to happen, we need to give them more direction, not less. We need to give them a bit more structure, not less. We need to communicate a lot more, my friends. And I love that. Andrew, you've got the perfect topic for your book that you released in 2012. And that's the core. And that's why we wanted to have this conversation with you. Because when it comes to self-leadership, you're the man. And self-leadership is where it all starts. It's like everybody wants to control other people. You hear people going, hey, if only my manager was better. Or if only my team was more autonomous or more responsible or what have you. But it's, we can't project these things onto other people. We can have expectations, but at the end of the day, you can either change others. How's that working for you? <laughs> change your view of the situation or change yourself. And I think we need to start with ourselves. Yeah. Mastering others is strength. Mastering self is true power. Lao Tzu. <laughs> 
Something I just want to share is that working with executives or people want to become executives, I always say you can't lead others unless you first lead yourself. And what people are super surprised about, I predict it for them, and then it happens, is that they become more confident, more grounded, which is humble, and they start stepping into their vessel of confidence, having some executive presence, and then people around them respond to them differently. So what was previously a problem, the problem goes away and we didn't do anything to the other people. We changed ourselves and then the other people's reaction to us is transformed and then we become more influential. And, and people are just so surprised. I didn't do anything. I said, yes, you did. You changed your mindset. You changed your outlook. You adjusted your communication. And that's why the shift has happened. So by starting with innovation, that changes the situation. When you change your outlook and you change the way you approach something, that actually changes the situation, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And we could get into woo-woo mysticism or synchronicity or uh, a whole bunch of things, uh, whether it's energy or it's dynamics, but it just, human beings are constantly interacting. And, yeah. you know, as, uh, and since we're into quotes, I'm, I'm going to give you another one. Carl Jung said, the meeting of two people is like the meeting of two chemical substances. If, mm. if there's any interaction, both are transformed. And that's what management and leadership is. Every time we're talking to somebody, we've both changed. Mm. You and I coach people. I am super grateful that I've had 20 years coaching leaders because I learn more from them than they learn from me sometimes. Mm. And so every conversation, I come out richer and I grow more. And if managers had that kind of thought process, when I'm talking to my subordinates, my employees, my team, I'm going to learn from them, then imagine that the growth of that kind of culture. I love this. For me, we, as you say, we learn as much from our clients as they do from us. And what's really interesting is when I'm meeting with a sales leader and I'm trying to figure out what's going on with their team and what are some of the struggles they're having, I learn about their environment, but then it also allows me to reference back what was the conversation I had with another sales leader in a different part of the world? And maybe how did they handle that situation? So learning compounds and it, and it builds on itself. And it's like making deposits in an account or an investment, and it just keeps compounding and keeps growing. It's an, there's an infinite amount of learning that we can have that we can apply to situations. One thing that I want to mention for, for all the leaders out there is not one leadership style is going to work with everybody on your team. So of course, we've got to be flexible. You got to style flex. You need to have kind of this, what, what, what do we call the situational leadership? And it depends on the situation, the context, but also the person you're, you're leading. Some people need more handholding and some people need to be more hands off. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Although I do, I, although I, I like the term situational leadership, Hersey and Blanchard's book on situational leadership needs a little bit of updating to a, a modern context. And we now can actually predict or give you an indication of what your default leadership style is from your personality. But mm -hmm. to the point of situational leadership, right, sometimes a directive leadership style is important. And at the beginning of this pandemic in 2020, I was advising people step into a more directive leadership. Because if you're on an aeroplane, the oxygen masks do fall from the ceiling. If the captain came out of the cockpit and said, ladies and gentlemen, got a bit of a problem, want to create some focus groups and get your buy-in about what I should do about this, <laughs> a participative leadership style, we'd all, we'd all suddenly the atheists would get religion at that point. So at the beginning, when nobody knows what's going on, when there's a lot of uncertainty, we need to step in as a leader and be more directive.
as things stabilize, as people start taking ownership, responsibility, and they're clear about their accountability, we can step back and be much more participative or consultative. So reading yourself, reading the scenario, and reading your people are the three skills that you need to develop if you want to move to the top of your organization. All right. So we've talked about the mindset that we need to succeed in sales or to succeed in, in this current situation as a manager, as a leader, as an employee. We've talked about communication and how to do that. So look, I've been working with teams. That's what I'm doing right now. Teams in Australia, India, Singapore, Malaysia, pretty much all across APAC and around the world. And some of these people, many of them are working from home. And then some of them are working in an office or some are split. They're doing 50-50 split shifts, sometimes in the office, sometimes at home. But no matter what it's like in your country or at your office, what we can all agree on is the way work is being done, the way we work has changed. And I think it's really important for us to embrace this working from anywhere thing that you mentioned earlier, Andrew. So let's talk about this working from anywhere idea or approach or, or mindset. Okay. The, a lot of people would have come across WordPress as, as a blogging platform. And WordPress is created by a company called Automatica. And the, the CEO of Automatica created that when he was an absolute youngster. It's one of those startup companies. And they built WordPress as a distributed company. So instead of saying remote workforce, because that has the presupposition that there's a centralized workforce and a remote workforce. And I mentioned earlier this proximity bias. If we're in head office, then we're close to the, the decisions. If right. you're in the back office or you're, you're, you're somewhere else, then you don't have the same influence. Whereas if you say it's a distributed workforce, that's the mindset that we are all um, part of a network. A hive. So instead of looking at a hierarchy, we're all like bees connected to each other in a hive and shifting that mindset and culture. And so it doesn't matter if somebody is in, in Pune or if they're in Alaska or if they're in San Diego or if they're in Buenos Aires or Rio de Janeiro, London, it doesn't matter. The issue is what are they contributing to the whole? Everybody working together, that hive process, and what do they bring? And absolutely, I think it's a huge advantage for anybody who wants to really project their executive presence, step up with confidence and say, hey, you might not have noticed me before because I'm phoning it in from Sri Lanka. This is my insight. This is my confidence. And now you can see me on Zoom on full screen and you can't ignore me. <laughs> So always, even in the old days when we had a polycom in the middle of the table and everybody was phoning it in, I say the old days, that was probably 2019 for some people, is that if you're on a call, don't stay silent. Now, mm -hmm. don't take up all the airtime, at least contribute an insight or agree to an insight that has been shared. So it's very important that everybody at least contributes. I'm here, I'm listening, here are my insights. You don't have to have the finished answer, but here's my contribution. Everybody, the whole is greater than the sum of the individual parts. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about this as a level playing field, distributed rather than centralized or remote, is the shift in mindset. So if you want to look up Matt Mullenweg, and don't ask me to pronounce his last name, he's written quite a number of posts on how WordPress, that for a while they didn't even have an office. They had a problem because they had to have shareholder meetings in Starbucks, so they got themselves an office so they could have shareholder meetings. <laughs> I love that, dude. Uh, I think this whole concept of distributed workforces 
is probably the way we need to be referring to things. And th this is the way the world operates. Many of us have been dealing with freelancers for years. So we have this distributed workforce. And I love that mindset, that approach around there's no head office. There's no centralized place where decision-making happens. Decision-making happens all over the place. So to your point, Andrew, and let's say you're an employee and you're working from, from home or wherever, make sure that your voice is heard. This is your time, right? The time is now for you to step up and get noticed where maybe in the past you weren't. So I want to open this up. Look, we've been going for 52 minutes. This is awesome, Andrew. I'm, I'm loving this. Some really great topics we're covering. We'll probably go in just in, to the top of the hour, so about six more minutes or so. We'll let everyone get back to work. What are your thoughts on leaders either having their own default style versus being able to be, be flexible, as Regina mentions here? My personal meta metaphor is, or uh, maxim is, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. And absolutely, it's, it is... You know, if it's not working, there's a many, many years ago when I studied and, and taught NLP has a has a principle that where there's resistance, there's lack of rapport. So if we're not, if people are resisting us, we have not connected with them. And, and so the first place to look is in the mirror. I did I not if I'm not being responded to. I didn't connect with what's important to that individual. I have not let them know that I understand them, that I connect them, that I care about them. And so therefore they're putting up a barrier. So uh, flexibility to connect with other people is, is a key to success in any endeavor. Love that. I think that's so cool. It's all about understanding someone's perspective, their point of view, where they're coming from. Are they feeling heard, appreciated, understood? So that's awesome. How to get staff to not be demoralized due to a lack of face-to-face -face interaction. Leaders' time is limited. And with the firefighting, it's tough to set time for everyone. How do we handle this? I've got some thoughts. I want to hear what, what, what your take is on this. I put a fire behind me here and I have a whole bunch of stuff around firefighting. I absolutely understand firefighting. It is, it's a great question. Look, the, the important thing to get them to own their own motivation. The psychology of motivation is that we are motivated to do something because we have an expectation that if we put in effort, we will get a level of improvement. And if we get a level of improvement, that level of improvement will be rewarded. And that reward is important to us. Mm. And so the important thing to talk to your people is it's not necessarily about hitting the goal. It's about the delta. Have they put in the effort? Have they made a difference? Have they moved? Now, obviously, if they hit the goal, huge celebration, ring the bells. But acknowledging to people, hey, you put in the effort. I see the effort. I see you've moved. You've moved the dial. There's more to do, but I'm acknowledging you in a way that's important to you, obviously. And that's the way that you keep motivation. You let people know they need to stretch to grow themselves. Your job as the manager is not to keep pumping people up like a beach ball, but to get them to take ownership of what are you doing to grow yourself, grow your skills, grow your visibility, grow your confidence, as we were talking about. What are you doing? And then I'm going to watch to see how that moves. That's how you shift motivation to the individuals rather than try and keep pumping everybody up like a cheerleader. I love that. Sometimes motivation can appear fake or contrived or forced, right? So you don't want to motivate for the sake of motivation, but there's got to be an intent behind it, something tangible. So here are my tips. Here's something that I think that you, you should be doing to make sure that your team is feeling not demoralized. Look, obviously, if there's a lack of face-to-face -face interaction, 
All we can do right now is to try to simulate that as best as possible. So number one, make sure you're having weekly team meetings on Zoom, for example. So make sure that everybody can see each other. So again, we've got a small team, about eight people spread around the world, uh, a distributed workforce, as Andrew would say. And what we do every single Tuesday morning, and we do it on Tuesday mornings because in North America, it's still Monday. So we have our team meeting on Zoom where everybody joins. And it's a really great way for everybody to see each other, at least on screen, and they can see each other's faces and hear each other's voices. So I love that for team building. And everybody shares what they're working on. What are their biggest priorities for the week? So that's a really great way to build this sense of teamwork and fellowship and camaraderie. Another tip that you might find useful as well, uh, Pratip, and everybody else as well, schedule impromptu. Zoom calls. So for example, during Ramadan, we have someone on our team who's Muslim. And during Ramadan, we broke fast together. And that was so special. So we all had dinner. We all ordered food from, where did we order food from? It was from Saffron's. Shout out to Saffron's. The food is amazing. They were so busy. Amazing. We ordered food for the whole team from Saffron's. And then we broke fast together. Just these really special moments where we're not talking about work. We're just checking in and talking about our, our hobbies and interests. What are you going to do this weekend? I probably talked incessantly about playing tennis or watching tennis on TV or something. But just a really good way to connect on a personal level. And then last but not least, and we do this every single Friday, so we're going to do it today, is we always end the day by asking the team, what are you most proud of this week? What did you accomplish this week that you're really proud of, that you're happy about, that's got you excited? And we celebrate those wins, no matter how big or small, publicly. So people feel appreciated. People feel like, hey, everybody knows what I'm doing and that you're making a difference for the company. So I hope you found that useful. So I think this is probably a good time for us to wrap up. Andrew, buddy, we've been on this for over an hour. We could probably, you and I, dude, we could go on for three hours. This was awesome. A lot of fun. Any final thoughts? One last little thing to real quick to, to send people off on their day. I think just to, to repeat, you can't lead others unless you first lead yourself. And I think we all need to do a personal check-in. Am I leading myself? Because if you're not, if you're not looking after yourself, you're sending a terrible message to everybody else. So for being on here that you've invested in your learning, you've in, that's the greatest investment you'll ever make. Congratulations to you. Love your last point about what are you proud of? When you look back over the last nine months, what are you most proud of? So I think that was a, a great message and I will reinforce that from you, Tom. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, buddy. Great to have you here. Great to see you, Andrew. I'm glad we could do this little collab. It was a lot of fun. You can always reach out to him at Self Leadership. You can find him on any social media platform. He is not hard to find. Everyone, take care. Have a great day, everyone, wherever you are in the world. Stay safe, have fun, and be the best that you can be. Take care. Thank you.